Hi, I'm Casey Mraz, and you're listening to the Lawyer Mastermind Podcast, where we help attorneys grow their law firms by interviewing experts who can fast track their success. Welcome to another episode of the Legal Mastermind Podcast, where we have tactical conversations with leading legal and marketing experts. I'm so excited to have Joe Holsher from Holsher, Gebbia, Cepeda here today to talk to us about the five keys to a profitable law firm. Joe, thanks so much for joining us today. Casey, thank you for having me. I'm happy to share what's been successful for us, and I hope it helps people. Love that. Yeah, I mean, in this time you know, or just really any time. I think a lot of people that have started a law firm or any business for that matter, they've had wild dreams of success and profitability. But the reality is for most that they don't ever get to that level even. And maybe they get caught up working in the business. But whatever the reason, that's why I'm excited to talk to you on this topic today, because I feel like you can really help a lot of uh, law firm owners. So, yeah, I mean, in law school, there's this dream, right? That you're going to come out, you're going to be well compensated. You know, you're going to be kind of important. Uh, You're going to make a difference. And it's kind of bogus uh, because most of us leave law school with a bunch of debt and prospects that don't allow us to cover it. Um, We've been very fortunate at at Holster Gabia Cepeda that we have been successful. Um, But we tried a lot of things that didn't work first. So, you know, there's kind of, of, I think five keys is a good way of looking at it. You know, every lawyer wants to be a lawyer and that needs to come first. And that means putting the client first. And that's the first key, right? Client yeah. first. Well, you know, I'm glad that you said that because I feel like in this day and age, you know, there's online reviews and word of mouth spreads <laughs> fast and people that are upset can complain easily. You know, whatever it is, it seems like you have to really focus to customer service now and, and you always should have. But if you didn't and you got away with it before, maybe you can't anymore well you know yeah i think it is harder the number one reason in texas that lawyers get in trouble state bar tells us every year is bad communication with clients it's what starts the situation that gets lawyers disbarred or disciplined and it can itself be a reason to get disciplined Mm -hmm. Um, but as long as you're focused on that good communication any complaints that come forward ought to be brought to you first and give you that shot before it's permanent on the internet you know, the bad reviews that we've got right now are largely from people who aren't our clients and who are mad at us for beating them in court. But, you know, there's this one lingering review out there that every time I see it, it bothers me because I feel like I did a good job for that guy, but I know he doesn't feel that way. So it is a struggle to make sure that you are communicating with your clients, even when you screw up or even when you get a bad result. You're not putting them off, even if you feel like that client might be a little irritating or difficult to deal with. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, that's hard. I think sometimes for some people, because I think, you know, as, as well as I, people are tougher online. I don't know. Do you, do you, when clients, if you've had to deal with a client that's upset, is that normally coming through phone or one of those like uh, fiery emails? How, how has it been for you? Well, a lot of times they are going to flame me by email. You know, that's the, the 11 a.m. or 11 p.m. midnight email and you wake up in the morning, it kind of ruins your day. Um, sometimes it's angry text messages. Sometimes it's my staff coming to me going like, so-and-so is pissed. Like, what happened? I'm like, I don't know. I thought everything was cool. Let's go talk to them. Um, Sometimes we do 
hear something online afterwards. And those are the most disappointing because they kind of come out of the blue and you don't have a chance to fix it. Um, but we've been pretty fortunate. Um, when we get bad reviews, we reach out to people and we say, hey man, you know, why are you taking this to the internet instead of bringing it to us? Mm-hmm. And usually clients will say, oh, you know, I was upset, something happened. And then we can kind of fix it. Um, so the communication is key, but because we communicate well, we have a relationship with our client. If you've ignored somebody and you don't have that relationship, that tactic isn't going to work. Yeah. And from what I've seen is if you are in, if you give people an outlet, like let's say you're just even talking to them, having that great communication, like you're talking about, they probably are more likely to tell you because they have an outlet, whether that's an email form or phone call or whatever. But when you close yourself off and you're not answering your phone and you're not communicating, that's, I think, where I've seen a lot of the situations explode. I don't know about you. No, absolutely. And that, like another key element for us is, you know, we, so this is going to be my second key is, you know, keep the drama in the courtroom, right? Okay. We don't need drama in our office. We don't need drama in our client relationships. When we go to court, that's when we're going to fight. And that's when people maybe get yelly a little bit. Um, but you have to have that good communication to do that. And you have to be sensitive to your clients and develop the relationship over time. I've had clients come back to me and say, man, I didn't realize how good you guys were until I went with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the key, the real key is managing expectations too, right? Like you have to be able to tell your client, look, this is why things are happening. This is why you're not going to hear from me for a while. I don't have answers. And when you call me, I'm going to bill you. So if you want me to call you every week, I will, but you're running out your retainer and you're going to have to be up. You know, if it's on a criminal case where we're charging a flat rate, we got to tell people. Yeah. We have new cases coming in. We're going to be waiting in line for your trial for like a year. Don't expect to hear from us all the time because once we get past discovery and, and whatever step is critical, we're just waiting. Um, so we say keep the drama in the courtroom. And what we mean by that is quickly address people's concerns and tell them what to expect and try to manage expectations ahead of time instead of after there's a problem. Then they don't trust you anymore, right? There's a breach in your relationship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, and I think that's great advice. You know, I think a lot of attorneys that struggle don't set those proper expectations. I have a friend who hired an attorney recently and, um, you know, he's kind of in that boat that you were just explaining where he's like, well, I haven't heard from the attorney. It's been a week. And, you know, this is part of a, uh, like a mass tort deal too. So, you know, (laughs) it's going to be some time there. Um, but that's because that expectation probably wasn't set up front is my guess. No, no, we all advertise. We're going to have great customer service. We're going to be communicative, but what, you know, so the client comes in and goes, this is the guy who will talk to me and return my phone calls and I can text at 2 a.m. You got, you got to slow people down on that. You know, we give them homework is another way to do it. Say, oh, hey, that's good. You know, go, go get me a witness list, go build a timeline of your case. Um, you know, we're going to do discovery. Why don't you suggest some questions we can ask? <laughs> you know, and that kind of helps them too. But, but in, the, in an age where we have smartphones and Zoom, and there's almost an expectation built socially that we're going to be accessible 24-7, which isn't realistic with this type of work. So you have to build in expectations and let people know, you know, you might not get a call back the same day. It might be the next day. If it's an emergency, here's how you let us know. Here's who you talk to. Um, 
but that's been a huge, that's been hugely successful for us because when people are upset, it's because something they expected didn't happen. So yeah. get their expectations reasonable. You're way less likely to piss them off for some reason. Definitely. No, that's great advice. And, you know, talking on the other side of your point one and point two is if you're setting these expectations and you're communicating with the client and you're doing that, that's the, the first step in building uh, a practice that's going to get a lot of referrals, I imagine, too, because people are going to be happy. Oh, it does. I mean, absolutely. Especially if people have tried other lawyers because, you know, whatever the sales pitch is that brings people in, it tends to be the best of who we are. And at some point, you've got to impress on them that you are in fact human and not a miracle worker. Um, but it also requires a high degree of organization. And that's the third key, I think. And, 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 it may, and I'm, these are in no particular order, okay? Sure. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> it's just massively important. You know, um, and they don't teach it necessarily in law school. They don't teach you how to organize your business. So you have to set up, like we use uh, Clio, which is a case management software. We have a marketing firm that has access to some of our, our systems, but not the client information. Mm -hmm. um, we have Google Drive and Dropbox, and we know how to integrate all of these things and keep track of them. And that helps. You know, we have a bookkeeper. <laughs> yeah. We're lawyers and we're bad at math, right? So, <laughs> kind of bookkeeper. And, and it's the, the organization that helps. Sure. And here for me, uh, one of my partners can look in the system and go, look, I, I know you want an answer quickly. You put that in the email. Um, I can't tell you exactly what's in Joe's mind, but here's the last note in the file. And I do see that we have the documents that you received. Um, and I also see that we're in the middle of drafting or have filed, you know, X document. Most of the time they're like, oh, okay, that's what I wanted to know is are we filed yet? Thank you so much. Yeah. And the organization helps us also to understand the expectations we need to set. If you're disorganized, you get caught off guard and, and it's reducing the chaos again. But a lot of law firms don't, man. Lawyers tend to fly by the seat of their pants sometimes, especially solos and small firms like us. Yeah, no, and that's good that you're using Clio. I mean, it sounds like you're well-organized so that you can focus on the things that are important for you. You know, I've talked and worked with law firms in the past that maybe do their case management from Excel, and they're probably having some issues right now if they're not yeah. in the office, things like yeah, that. Some guys are on Salesforce now. They're using Salesforce to track their stuff. I'm like, man, you know, wow. you're way ahead of us. But no, you got to have some system, and using this, the out-of-the-box stuff that comes with your Microsoft suite is not a great idea. <laughs> Well, we, we tried Google. No, yeah, we tried Google Suite too for a while, and it's it, no. You need you need customized software, and you, you really have to like put thought into how to organize yourself too. Yeah. So, would you say like when you're working with whether it's Clio or um, any other case management, you know, it's probably helpful that it, it ties in with marketing as well. But you really, I think you touched on something there that I just wanted to cover a little bit deeper. Setting it up the right way first. Is that how you did that? Or did you piece it together over time? Um, so I pieced together a lot of things over time that didn't work out right. And, <laughs> we, and when we, you know, because I was a solo for a long time, and then I had okay. associates. Um, and when we formed this firm and everybody bought in, uh, the other two guys were coming from other firms. One of them was inheriting his firm that had never run it. And I said, okay, so this time we're starting from scratch. We're going to set it all up right from the beginning. And that required us to watch videos talk to people, get trained, have trainers come in. Because if you, if you screw it up initially and then you got to go back and fix it, man, Casey, you're right. It's just, it's so bad. And then mm -hmm. 
always new cases and problems coming in. So it's always like a lower priority um, when, you know, you've got somebody who's about to lose their kids or somebody who's getting arrested. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. hey, uh, I really need to sit down and figure out how to use my case management software today. Can you, <laughs> I don't know. That's no, they don't want that. So, so we, this time we did it right. And it's been night and day for us. Um, you know, our criminal guy still doesn't like to uh, record his time very well. Okay. The secretary actually does that, but, but we're there where we know where all of our information is. We have one interface to use to look at it from billing to marketing to actual information management. And it's expensive and it's totally worth it. It's worth every penny. Uh, don't tell Cleo or any of the other guys. We pay more if we had to. Yeah, we won't, we won't let them hear that. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And, you know, organization really seems to be at the heart of uh, successful firms. And, you know, again, I've seen, I have plenty of examples seeing the other side of it as well, where people are just putting, piecing stuff together. And even though it might cost more to do it right, maybe up front, the actual opportunity cost from what's lost, kind of putting that together seems to be large. So. It is. And, and I mean, so many things are streamlined. To give you one example, our taxes. Right? We can print out the Clio report, send it to our freaking accountant and give him access to our, our bank records. Um, and he gets our taxes done much faster. It costs less money than the first time when we basically delivered him kind of a shoebox full of crap and he had to figure it out. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he can get my personal taxes done cheaper and faster because my business taxes are in order and I'm not missing any deadlines. So when we came through this whole mess with the PPP and, and applying for idols and SBA loans, uh, we were applying day one on everything and our paperwork was right. So, you know, we were blessed to get our money. Um, but that was because of the organization. So yeah. It, no, it really does save your ass. That's another testament to doing things right. Cause there's still tons of businesses that, uh, well, maybe not even have their information together to apply for it, but that money, the first round went gone really went yeah. away really fast. The second is going to be gone here soon. So I can definitely understand that. So what's the next uh, key do you think um, for a successful law firm? So I think you have to know who you can rely on and build a good team. Um, mental load is a real thing. Okay. An amount of crap you can carry in your head at one time, like RAM in a computer. And just like if you overload your RAM, you're going to have issues, things are going to lock up, freeze up, your computer might crash. It's the same with us as human beings. There's a certain amount we can keep track of in our brains at once. And so you have to have other people that you shove stuff off onto. It may be bringing you the cup of coffee in the morning or right after lunch so you don't get that, you know, 1.30 feeling. It, yeah. it may be somebody who knows how to talk to people on the phone, somebody who does the deposits reliably, whatever you can shove off onto third parties that isn't lawyer work, you need to find a good person to do that. And that means finding good vendors. And one of the toughest things for us, because there's so many people who will market to lawyers, take our money and do what we need them to do. Because what we need is for them to be fire and forget. Um, but that that's a big deal. You know, that's why I'm not afraid to say Cleo, because those guys have been good to us. When we call them and we have help, they answer us, right? You know, I, I would recommend my accountant because he's the same way, but he's only in San Antonio. Um, we bank with the local bank because they return my phone calls. When I asked them, what do I need to submit for the PPP? I was getting emails, phone calls, you know, and they were helping us. You got to find what in San Antonio we call buena gente, just good people, people who 
maybe aren't the smartest, fastest, best, but they're reliable so that you know what you're getting from them every time you ask them to do something. And that just kind of de-stresses you and lets you focus on what needs to be handled as a lawyer. Yeah. And a good team and realize you can't do it alone. That's really awesome advice. And I think it's my opinion that, you know, people are the hardest part of any organization, but when you find the right people, that's when you're going to grow. That's what you're going to excel for all the reasons that you're talking about. And not just your internal team members, like you were saying, your bank, they actually helped you with PPP. Whereas Wells Fargo just emailed me yesterday and that was, oh, I don't know, a month in. Um, <laughs> yeah. I heard they had some problems. Yeah, definitely. They had some major problems and they still are and they'll probably continue to. But that, enough of that rant there. Um, have you ever had any, have you ever hired anybody that didn't work out and did, and if you had that situation, did you, how'd you fix that? Um, I mean, it happens. Of course it happens. My, 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 the way I address it, and, and of course my partners made me managing attorney because they know that I have a particular way of addressing things. I try to nip things in the bud. As soon as I get a bad vibe off of somebody, or they're not getting things done, you know, we take immediate corrective action. The first step, of course, is try to explain how we have things done, give them an opportunity to fix it and do it correctly. Um, after that, it's a warning. And then I, I typically fire people because um, I don't have time for that. Right. Yeah, no. Mm -hmm. Somebody else would get a better shot at it and not have something messed up that might affect one of my clients. Uh, we've got a meeting right now, uh, but I made a commitment to you, so I'm here. But my partners are in another room, uh, well, different rooms, Zooming, and I know they're talking about whether or not we're going to terminate somebody today. Um, yeah. I'll know what my vote is on that because I like to take care of things quickly. Sometimes people recover, but my, my general experience is if you get into trouble quickly with a new hire, just move on. If you've worked with somebody, you've got a relationship and they really screw things up, you can work with them. But if they're not coming to you to tell you they screwed it up, that's a bad sign. Yeah. It's like ripping off that Band-Aid. And, you know, I think toxic employees can uh, ruin a whole culture. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, we, had, we had an all-star paralegal in here. And we've got an all-star uh, office manager. I mean, they like top-notch talents. You know, um, they're not them specifically, but some of their close relatives ended up dating the same guy. And ultimately one of them had to go, you know? Wow. <laughs> so, wow. Okay. Both of them, you know, you have like the personal stuff is there and it's real and you can't pretend it doesn't exist. You, you kind of have, you know, you have to have a good team, but part of having a good team is good communication. So all of these steps, all of these five keys to a successful firm work together. You got to be communicating with your people too and understand where the discomfort is and can it be fixed or not because not everything is them screwing up on the job sometimes it's just toxicity like you're talking about yeah no definitely and i don't know if you ever had the situation but it just reminded me of something i read in good to great you know having the right employee in the right seat on the bus so you know in some cases we've we've had to move people i don't know if you ever had to do that too uh but certain people thrive i guess in other environments or different um, maybe even different organizations. So if they're not working out for you, you know, it's not necessarily that they're bad. They're just not good for your organization. And there might be somewhere else that's better for them. And, and you need to do what you need to do because your obligation is to the business and your other employees. And, and if you have somebody that's bringing the culture down or hurting it and you're not taking action, then I can see how that would have a long-term detrimental effect on 
morale, profitability? <laughs> yeah, of course, because because the team that, that is on board and that is working together, when they see somebody who's not part of that effort, it hurts morale, right? Like, why am I staying up late? Why am I answering his text, at, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, wanting to know where the documents are that he wants in the morning? You know, we expect a lot from our people. And so if somebody's not pulling their weight, it's kind of a slap in the face to those guys who are. Yeah. And, and, and so it's a respect issue, too. It's just it's better to be up front. It's better to tell people where you stand and then they know and you got to be consistent. You got to keep your word. But if if you're not being deceptive, if you're organized and you know what's actually happening, it's a lot easier. So, again, all, all this keys work together. Definitely. Well, good advice. And was that point number four? I lost that was track four. here. OK, that was four. So what's five? Self-promote. OK. I mean, Talk more about that. Look, man, marketing is everything if you want new customers, okay? Law, law is an adversarial field. We fight with each other. Mm-hmm. And losers here. Um, if you're a winner, you need to tell people because the consumer is not an attorney and they don't know how to evaluate. Um, I mean, fine, we take some big losses on criminal cases, but if you've ever had to cross-examine a child who's been a sex assault victim sitting next to the guy who did it, those are low-win situations. The jury stays out hours. We might call that a win. You know, on the other hand, where I, I'm going in to protect a child in court, um, if I don't stop visits with somebody I think is dangerous, it's up contact with that child, even if it's by video, I might consider that a loss. Yeah. So you need to go out there and explain to people who you are and your story, and you can't be ashamed of it. You can be humble about it. You know, you don't have to be a braggart, but you have to be up front. And I think that people do respect it, although we're all taught not to talk about ourselves. Because when you come in and you talk real talk to people, it's part of the communication. It's part of the setting expectations. Right? It's part of the organization because everybody knows where they stand with you. And nobody wants to hire a lawyer who ain't confident in himself. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. They reach out. It's why I'm talking to you, man. You know, it's why we, we go on TV and, and give media comment on social issues and get involved with social organizations and, and help raise money for charities because we want that visibility. And if you are a good lawyer, you're not doing anybody a disservice by promoting yourself. Yeah. Find the lawyer they need. Well, and, and really you're helping people, especially if you're a good lawyer, because you're getting, giving them the opportunity to hire you if they can find you and actually have success with their case. And, you know, I think that's one of the problems that I have with, you know, online services where people are looking to hire a lawyer and they're like, oh, let me look on Avo and, oh, there's a 10 score. Then they must be good. And we know that that means nothing. So, it, right. You know, I was one of the first people to get aggressive about Avo because it came out right when I started. And so I filled out my profile and I got a 10 pretty quick. Um, I knew there were much better lawyers who had not even, didn't even know it existed and, and had crappy ratings. And I'm sitting over here with a 10 as a guy who had only been practicing four years. Um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's hard because we're a sophisticated field and our consumers are almost necessarily unsophisticated. It's, it's the nature of being a professional. I don't know what the plumber knows. I don't know what the yeah. knows. All I know is if my stuff works afterwards, and, and I think you got to make sure you're telling your clients, look, we did okay today. I know you're not happy, but here's the advantage of what we did today. And, to go out to the public and say, I am a good lawyer. 
right? I got my client out of jail. You're upset that this guy got off today because you think justice wasn't done? I was his lawyer. And I'm proud to stand next to this innocent man. You know what? You got to... Got to sell because it's not just you. Your reputation is carrying you in court. It's carrying your firm and it's carrying your clients. Um, you, know, you just can't be, as I said, arrogant about it. No, that's great. And I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I can relate to that as well. And I, I think you're, you're on point there. And again, there's so many, there's, I don't want to say there's so many, but there are a lot of crummy lawyers out there. And you can see that by reading their reviews online from what consumers say, but people still hire these clowns and, uh, you know, uh, right, so and, and they do brag, right? The, the problem is a lot of good lawyers, this is a fact of somebody who is skilled. They know more about their shortcomings than the person who is unskilled. Yeah. So we see that and we think to ourselves, man, I'm, you know, I blew that case the other day. I, you know, I screwed up that argument. And we tend to see ourselves as not as successful. You have to take that moment and look around. Um, a lot of the people who are not with me anymore that have worked for me in the past, that was our disconnect is that they couldn't go out there and have the courage to say, I did a good job okay. here too. Wow. Well, awesome. Well, you know, Joe, this has been a really great conversation. I really appreciate your expertise and insights. Um, and you know, it sounds like you have a very successful firm and I've agreed with everything that you've said so far. Is there any parting advice? <laughs> that you have for anybody watching this that we didn't cover that you'd want to get across? <laughs> you know, being a lawyer is a hard, uh, it's a hard gig, man, but it is a brotherhood, a sisterhood. We, um, there's, a, there's never enough good lawyers. So uh, if you're dedicated and, and these five keys are something that you understand will, will take work, but you're willing to do that work, you know, there's a lot of us in the same boat and, and we all want to appreciate each other's success. So good luck. Awesome. Well, Joe, again, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. I'll let you uh, get back to it, but uh, I look forward to connecting in the future to see how things are going for you. I love that. Take care, Casey. And thank you very much for having us on today. I appreciate it.